Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Laurel Leah Rogers was diagnosed with lupus at the age of 16. While most girls are getting ready for high school activities and prom, and pretty soon college, Laurel was learning to manage a new disease. Lupus left her with chronic issues, and soon she would also be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. But Laurel persevered, although not without struggles. In addition to her prescribed medication, Laurel also turned to purchasing pain pills on the streets to help manage her chronic pain. Laurel also worked with Dr. Atar Rahman for a while, a notorious Florida doctor whose office would be raided and shut down for operating what is known as a pill mill. In 2010, at 28 years old, Laurel was living in Port Orange, Florida. Laurel was managing. She was taking 10 prescription medications daily, medications that she needed to take, otherwise she was at risk of seizures and organ failure. On February 1st, 2010, Laurel went out with a friend for a while to a local Italian restaurant. This friend brought her home, and when Laurel came inside the house, she saw her brother. They said hi, and he said Laurel told him that she would be leaving again soon with another friend shortly, and he went outside into the backyard. When he came back in, Laurel wasn't there, but he knew she was planning on leaving, so he wasn't worried. It wasn't until a full 24 hours had passed that Laurel's family knew something was very wrong. She had left all of her medications at home and her phone was going straight to voicemail. Laurel was soon reported missing. Where is Laurel Leah Rogers? Our family's grown and we want you, it's incomplete without you. 
We want you back here to make it complete. I love you, my sweet daughter. <laughs> You're my best friend and my daughter combined in one. What better person could you ask for? Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing persons story. This case, the story of Laurel Leah Rogers, is one that I think gets overlooked a lot because of some certain aspects of Laurel's life, which I not only think is troubling and frustrating, but is also extremely sad. So thank you so much for being here and for listening to Laurel's story. Let's hope we can raise some awareness of her case and make sure everyone, especially in her area of Florida, is well aware of who Laurel is and the fact that she is missing. Before we jump in, a big shout out and welcome to Cassandra, our newest Patreon member. Thank you so much for joining us and for supporting our cause and our mission, which is to share as many missing person stories as we can. Laurel Leah Rogers was born June 4th, 1981. Laurel's mother, Loretta, also had a couple of children at home, and Laurel loved growing up with her brothers and sisters. As in a lot of our cases, we don't know a whole lot about who Laurel was prior to her disappearance at age 28. What I can tell you is that at age 16, Laurel's life would change dramatically. After battling several health issues, Laurel was diagnosed with lupus. And soon after that, fibromyalgia. She was put on several medications that she was required and needed to take daily. She dealt with constant bruising and chronic pain, a symptom of her conditions. Lupus and fibromyalgia are autoimmune disorders, which are historically difficult to treat. Lupus is described by the Cleveland Clinic as an autoimmune disease that makes your immune system damage organs and tissue throughout your body. It causes inflammation that can affect your skin, joints, blood, and organs like your kidneys, lungs, and your heart. Laurel specifically struggled with kidney problems. Fibromyalgia is described by the Cleveland Clinic as an autoimmune pain in your muscles and joints throughout your entire body. It can also make you feel fatigued and cause mental symptoms like memory loss. The chronic pain left Laurel struggling quite a bit through her teenage years and into her young adult life. As a young adult, at some point, Laurel was prescribed pain pills, which according to her family caused her to develop an addiction to. In fact, at one point, Laurel was even working for Dr. Atar Rahman, a notorious Florida pill mill operator. Throughout her young 20s, Laurel battled on and off with her addiction to pain meds. She took herself over 10 prescribed prescriptions, but she would sometimes say that even those didn't help her symptoms. Those didn't alleviate all of her pain, and she felt forced to turn to the streets and self-medicate. In 2010, Laurel was living in Port Orange, Florida. She was 28 years old, and she lived with her brother, John, I'm not sure who else was residing with her in the house at that time. The Disappearance There is a little bit of discrepancies on dates here, which is frustrating. 
Without the correct information, how can people know what they may have seen or if they were even in the right area when Laurel was last seen? So I'm going to share both scenarios with you. On January 31st, 2010, Laurel went to dinner with a friend at an Italian restaurant. The friend hasn't been identified as far as I can tell, and neither has that restaurant. But when she came back from dinner, she came in the house and saw her brother, John. He was getting ready to go outside to his backyard weight bench and work out. The two said hi to each other, and Laurel told him that she would be leaving soon again to go out with friends. When John came back inside around 6 p.m., Laurel wasn't home. This wasn't surprising. She had just told him that she would be leaving, and John went about his business for the rest of the evening. However, Laurel never came home that night, nor the following day, and she wasn't answering her cell phone. Since she had left behind all of her medication and staying out of touch with her family was extremely out of character for her, they knew they had to do something. Something was very wrong. Loretta reported her daughter missing the next day. Now, the other variation of the story in some files state that Laurel went out to dinner on February 1st, 2010, not January 31st. It's also noted that she came back later in the day and would leave again closer to 8 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. These details are very frustrating indeed, but there are some other clues that would come up in the investigation that would kind of help develop a timeline or at least a direction to go in. So on February 2nd, 2010, with Laurel now being gone for 24 hours or more, Loretta called the Port Orange Police Department and reported her daughter missing. Laurel Leah Rogers had disappeared. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Search and Investigation As per usual, sadly, it didn't seem authorities jumped on Laurel's disappearance. I think what did help them in taking the report and not sending her mom back home was the fact that Laurel was in need of medication, medication that she did not have with her. There was not a public alert issued, however, for Laurel. At first, I kind of wondered if she might have qualified for a silver alert. Wikipedia defines a silver alert as follows. It's a public alert announcing a disappearance to the general public. Some states limit silver alerts to persons over the age of 65 who have been medically diagnosed with Alzheimer's, dementia, or a mental disability. Other states will expand the silver alert to include all children and adults with mental or developmental disabilities. In general, the decision to issue a silver alert is made by a law enforcement agency investigating the report of the missing person. Public information in a silver alert usually consists of the name and description of the missing person and a description of the missing person's vehicle and license plate number. First, we don't know what vehicle Laurel might have been in. Her own car was left at the house because it was currently not running at that time. Someone had to pick her up. 
Next, Laurel was never defined as someone with a mental disability that would also help activate such an alert. And there is no mention of a physical disability. I did learn, however, that there are 10 states within the United States that do have a broader alert system that will include all missing adults. Those states are Delaware, Idaho, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming. Laurel, missing in the state of Florida, would receive no such public alert. Laurel also had a history of drug use, which sometimes also causes not only the police to turn their backs on the case, but the media as well. However, Laurel's family wasn't backing down. They hit the streets talking to all the friends of Laurel's that they could find. They hung up missing person posters all over town, and they fought to get media attention. And some local stations did pick up Laurel's story. After some time went by, authorities were also able to release a security cam still photo of Laurel in a store. However, they didn't release the location or the time. It was only a photo to show the public what Laurel was wearing when she vanished. So I wonder why the secrecy of where that store was. It does appear that she was alone, at least on the photo that authorities shared. Law enforcement finally was also able to obtain her cell phone records and her cell phone ping locations. First, they noted her cell phone pinged the evening of February 1st, 2010, the evening she went missing, at the Cabbage Patch Bar in New Smyrna Beach. This bar is a small hometown pub that is very popular with the Daytona biker crowd. It's about eight miles from Port Orange. Her phone never pinged elsewhere, but... It also made a strange call before either the battery died or the phone would eventually be turned off. Her cell phone called one of her friends. However, it wasn't Laurel on the phone. Instead, it was a man who identified himself as Jamal. The reason for that call was never released. Why did Jamal call one of Laurel's friends? But this man did tell the friend that Laurel had left the phone with him and that she was off with two other men two men by the name of Breezy and Kenny. None of those men were ever identified, or if they were, that information was never released to the public. There was no other trail to follow. The last charge on her bank account was on January 29th. There were no additional charges after that. There were no additional cell phone pings. And there were no sightings of Laurel reported in or around Port Orange. Laurel had simply vanished. Her family continued to pound the pavement and search for Laurel with very limited help from law enforcement. Every so often, the police department would issue a statement hoping to generate some leads. Laurel was considered endangered missing because of her lack of medications. She didn't have any of her daily medications with her, and there was absolutely no record of her refilling any prescriptions. Without that medication, Laurel could suffer seizures and would suffer organ failure. The more time that passed from her disappearance, the more bleak the outcome looked for finding Laurel alive. But her family wasn't giving up hope. In May of 2011, just over a year after Laurel disappeared, law enforcement searched a local pond in Port Orange. They said they were acting on a tip, but they didn't say anything else. They searched with sonar equipment and they sent in divers. 
but they didn't find anything to lead them to Laurel. In June of 2011, Dr. Atar Rahman's medical offices were raided. He was accused of running a Florida pill mill and selling illegal narcotics. He was also trading illegal narcotics in exchange for sexual favors from women. In July of 2011, he was arrested and would face charges of racketeering, conspiracy to commit racketeering and money laundering, and four counts of drug trafficking. This was someone that Laurel was at one time connected to, although if she had any current connections with him, we can't say for certain. Searches for Laurel continued, with her family leading the fight for answers. Every year on the anniversary of her disappearance, they hold a vigil in Laurel's honor, hoping to generate tips to keep her name out there. They do believe that Laurel's friends haven't been completely honest, and they hope that someone comes forward with the answers they need. Port Orange, Florida. Port Orange is a coastal town about halfway down the east coast of Florida. Population is around 65,000 residents, although it was considerably less in 2011, as almost every Florida town grows in population every year. Port Orange is considered part of the greater Daytona, Ormond, and Deltona beach areas. I can't say for certain all of the areas that Laurel frequented within that Port Orange range, but we do know a couple points of interest in her disappearance. First, she lived on Horizon View Boulevard in Port Orange. This is a shorter residential street right in Port Orange. Horizon View Boulevard is not too far from several highways and is an easy drive to all these other points of interest. Next, there is the Cabbage Patch Bar. This bar is considered a hotspot for bikers and is advertised heavily in the Daytona area. But the bar is technically just outside the city limits of Port Orange in a little town known as Samsula, Florida, and has a mailing address of New Smyrna Beach, Florida. It looks like this small bar is situated on the corner of Pioneer Trail and Tomoka Farms Road. The area surrounding the bar looks pretty sparse, and this is the only business at that intersection. On two corners, you'll find heavily wooded areas. The third corner is an open field. And the fourth is where the bar is, which sits pretty close to the road. There is a large parking area behind the bar and another empty field beyond that. We know her phone last pinged here, but we don't know if the surrounding area of the bar was searched thoroughly. The location of Dr. Raman's medical office that same location that was raided a few months after Laurel vanished, is about eight miles from the Cabbage Patch Bar. Now, there is no indication that she was there or near there at the time she vanished, only that she once had a connection to this Dr. Raman, and the timing of the raid seemed to coincide with Laurel's disappearance. Is that a coincidence, or is there more to it? The last known location to talk about is the pond that was searched in May of 2011. Authorities searched this pond based on a tip, but they never elaborated more than that. The pond is at the corner of Madeline Avenue and Williamson Boulevard. According to Google Maps, there might be a few ponds in that general area, although it also looks pretty sparse with just woods, trees, and water right off of a highway. It also looks to be difficult to see the water through the trees if you're driving down the road as the trees will block most of that view. 
We don't know the significance of that area, but it is also about eight miles from the Cabbage Patch Bar where she was last known to be. All of her locations continue to point to areas in and directly around Port Orange. As always, there are numerous unanswered questions here. Here are a few that I keep thinking about in Laurel's story. Number one, did anyone see her at the Cabbage Patch Bar that evening? If so, what kind of information can they provide? Most importantly, if she was seen there, who was she with? Number two, what reason did Jamal give for calling this friend? Or I do wonder if that information was recorded incorrectly and if possibly it was the friend that called Laurel's phone and Jamal answered. Number three, do any of Laurel's friends know anyone by the name of Jamal, Kenny, or Breezy? Number four, does anyone at the Cabbage Patch Bar know anyone by these names? Number five, was the area surrounding the Cabbage Patch Bar searched? Number six, what tip exactly led authorities to search the pond in Port Orange? Was there additional information along with that tip that might be helpful to the public? So what do you think happened to Laurel Leah Rogers on the night of February 1st, 2010? Laurel is described as a Caucasian female about 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighing around 150 pounds when she was last seen in February of 2010. She was 28 years old then and would today be 42. Laurel had sandy blonde hair in 2010, and she has blue eyes. She was last seen wearing a black hooded zip-up G-unit jacket with a design of small multicolored G's, a gray or purple long-sleeved shirt, which she wore underneath a purple short-sleeved shirt. She was wearing light blue jeans, she had on black sneakers, and she had on a gold 20-inch necklace with two rings on it. She was also known to wear rings on all of her fingers. She was possibly carrying a black Nine West purse with silver trim and a magnetic snap closure. Anyone with any information on the whereabouts of Laurel Leah Rogers is asked to contact the Port Orange Police Department at 386-756-7400. There is a monetary reward for information leading to Laurel. Laurel likely would not have left home planning to leave her friends and family behind, especially without taking her medication with her. Her family has continued through all these years to search tirelessly for answers, and they will continue to do so until Laurel is found and brought home. Please keep sharing her name and her story and let's keep her name in the media. It's time that Laurel Leah Rogers is brought home. Thank you so much for listening to Laurel's story today. Make sure you are following the Where Are They podcast on our social media channels. You can find all of those links in the show notes. I do welcome all feedback as well as any case suggestions that you might have. You can reach me on social media or email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. The only way I can find out about these lesser known cases, the ones that need to be shared, is with your help. 
A big thank you also to Cassandra for joining us over on Patreon and helping support our cause. If you are interested in joining us over there, you will find ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and you can help us support the families of the missing through their charities and their fundraising opportunities. Pledging is just $3 a month, and together we can make a difference. Thank you again for listening to Laurel's story today. Another young woman missing for far too long. We will be back again soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.